0: I am so happy dude, not only did not only did Venom have like an a a wicked single at the end but Hobbs and Shaw also had just like a really corny shitty song at the end where it's back man they like singles in the credits
1: Welcome to Filmhouse, everybody. This week's episode is sponsored by Hymns. I've got my buds Lawrence, Adam, and James. Hello. Hello. My name's Daniel. Uh, we are here this week. We're going to start off talking about Venom 2. Uh, everyone's super stoked about this we movie. We just saw
2: it. We can't believe all wow. the things that happened. Where's James going? I have no idea. No, no. He's gone. Well, James didn't
1: like Venom? I can't believe it. <laughs> no. but, um...
3: For our audio listeners, I pretended to leave the room.
1: Oh, he said that way <laughs> off mic. By the way,
3: I know that's why that's it's complaining That's going the back. <laughs> yeah. It's that's come It's audio comedy. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, what are you talking
3: about Dance! See?
2: <laughs> Ven- Venom was a comedy. Remember? Yeah, it actually comedy. was.
1: Yeah, um, that was that's maybe the better ever, part of the actually, movie you know if
3: you think of like a buddy comedy mm-hmm. that's not what it is at all <laughs> but it kind of like it kind of works that's kind of what, what people doesn't. made it, it into kind of after there, the yeah. fact
1: yeah. Sony even realized that and started making the later trailers Yeah, they, like that. they leaned that's, into it for sure they
3: didn't know that's. and here's an indicator that your theory is wrong they ha- they changed their marketing <laughs> yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, so something interesting about this is usually uh, when a film is a huge hit, Venom made eight hundred and fifty some million dollars Nice, on
2: nice job, Venom. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Massive, <sighs> massive hit. But usually a studio would scramble to keep that core filmmaking team that made that first film a success. They would want to keep that filmmaking team together. You
2: mean the assembly line
3: I that
1: created? Well, yeah. They, yeah. They kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ruben Fleischer uh, is out, not returning to direct. We are now getting Andy Circus. The
3: hmm. collective
2: who? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, know, like Everyone yeah. knows who Andy Circus yeah. yeah. is. Yeah. Zombie Land. Come no, on, they know who no, no, Andy Circus is. No one knows who Ruben Fleischer is. Oh, sorry, Zombie Land and
1: upcoming Zombie Land double tap. Oh, lord. Adam, yeah, I, I, I honestly,
2: <laughs> that's what I wanted at the end of Zombieland. Yeah, more,
1: more Zombieland. <laughs> I give us more token celebrities, please. Him as a director. So yeah, Fleischer's out and Circus is in. Best thing you could I'm say. Brave. I do not I revile his being. I guess I. There was brave. there was
2: nothing in Venom one where I went. That's a real. That's a real signature of that director.
1: Yeah. Well, Which, if, if anything, it was mm. tasteless and lists it
2: felt, it felt like something that was they sprinted to the the finish line just to get it done because there was probably way too many. Uh, I would guess studio intervention because they're like it needs to be an MCU movie But don't make it MCU yes. movie.
0: Yeah. Venom
3: is a perfect example of film by committee. Yeah. Yes mm. So it reminded and, me a lot of like the
0: the pre MCU superhero movies like Ghost Rider and mm-hmm. Daredevil yeah. of yeah. like That's we're exactly just gonna hit level.
3: We're just gonna hit the beats and have a dumb song at for, the end and people are gonna love it for that reason I do not blame Ruben Fleischer coming <laughs> no. in under budget under time sure and then not wanting to ever come back. My, my, yeah, my guess is
2: he said, "I'm not going to do that again." Hell no. Yeah. He, well, he could, probably could has you some
3: imagine that movie cool with ideas. anyone but Tom Hardy? Uh, no, yes. no, I can't yeah. actually. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, easily. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. <laughs> but he was the saving grace of Venom. Honestly, I think so. Yeah, was he? I, I would well, say so.
3: I think he was the saving grace in that he was the only thing that was remotely memorable about okay. it. But it also stood out like a sore thumb. Mm. That just trying to do weird. New that stuff. it was just. It was just something odd in. It was just a completely blank, boring canvas with Mm -hmm. weird dot in the middle of it. And you're Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't fit or match any of this at all tonally. But I guess I remember it because of that.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, maybe uh, Tom has a lot of creative control. I'm guessing he's a producer on the film and maybe... Didn't want Fleischer back. Maybe Fleischer wanted to be on. Who knows? Huh. But we have Andy Serkis, who has the his only major film is Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. I wouldn't.
2: That's not his only major directing. Film.
1: Directing. Job. He was.
2: He was a second unit
3: director, uncredited on The Hobbit, um, yeah. which was also a mess. I was gonna say you can't mm. say that it's someone's film if they're a uncredited second unit <laughs> director. <laughs> I'm, I'm just
2: saying it's. Mm-hmm. It, I saw
1: those featurettes too, Adam.
2: No, well, I, yeah, I'm just saying like it's not like. He made one movie and they said, I guess you could, he's, Dude's been in the industry for a while. He probably knows what he's doing with a, probably even ve- uh, a CGI heavy movie like Venom 2. Actually, that, I think that's a good pick.
1: Hmm. Sure. I don't know. He, he bit out How two guys Rupert Wyatt of Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Travis Knight, the Bumblebee and Kubo and the Two Strings director. Oh, that sucks. Uh. <laughs> that <laughs> that
0: sucks. Or does it? I mean, wouldn't you rather that that director go on to work on something that isn't Venom it 2? Makes sense. Yes. <laughs> it makes sense. Which, which is us, Six
1: yes. Million Dollar Man, by the way. I think is what he's going to work on. Uh, well, is, I, that, I
0: think it, is that like a reboot of Six Million Dollar yeah, Man? Yes.
1: Are you Nothing,
2: serious? Everything old is new. Yeah, um, ten years from now, it'll be Six Trillion Dollar Man. It it just that's just Iron Man.
3: Never mind. Travis Knight did bring something to a property that was boring and stale and should have been terrible. This You're is Bumble Bumblebee? Bumblebee. Oh. I'm talking about Bumblebee. <laughs> I think Bumblebee was a genuinely good movie movie that came out in a time where a bunch of properties were just getting rehashed and rehashed and rehashed and he was like oh well if we're going to rehash something let's at least find some interesting aspect of it or make a good genre movie of it so that's probably what I think probably Venom needed was a coherence of the character and the narrative Mm -hmm. as opposed to just Cashing the check and getting it in under budget.
2: I, you can't. You can't make a standalone superhero movie anymore, though, right? It, well, it mm-hmm. has to tie to a universe no. of some kind. Yeah. I mean. dog, <laughs> it's in there. It's it's MCU 2 or whatever. I I'm just saying, like, we we had a theory that a lot of people went and saw Venom because they were tricked. Oh, they <laughs> oh, thought they, it was Spider Man. It was a spider. It was like, oh, we're getting a Spider Man um, villain origin movie, but because of the way film politics work and uh, rights acquisitions. You can't have <laughs> Spider-Man and Venom in the same movie.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, God damn it. Which is actually good. I, I, I want Sony to stay as far away from Tom I Holland Tom possible. I mean, uh, Tom Holland, I mean they're still involved
2: possible. with the, uh, the Tom Holland movies. Oh. I just want him to stay away
1: from this mess. Really? Yeah. Why? God, it would cheapen all the good Spider-Man movies they've been Swat making. The there was the movie. one cool shot of the movie right there. What? No, that's the worst Are you kidding me? That's the worst shot of the no. What is what? <laughs> there is that is a garbage
3: Well, that's right. Tra- that's a perfect the, example of the trash of this movie. The whole
1: end of the movie was unintelligible except for this one scene that they did in slow motion and they lit.
3: The but one what is sh- one shot. There? What is I don't, happening? I don't what is happening? What is what? Nothing. Um, everything I mean, is garbage. I think <laughs>
0: it's just trying to represent that like this yeah. uh, it's, it's it's like it's two conflicts at once, right? It's it's Tom Hardy fighting Rizumbly. Dev? Oh. Uh, and then it's also uh, yeah. Venom fighting Anti Venom or whatever his name was. He was toxic. Riot. Riot. Oh. Riot See, no one
3: knows because it was <laughs> that terrible. You don't know where one begins and where- that's a great. That's a great way to show off the hero and the villain. You don't know where one begins where the other ends. It's all a big mess on the well, screen.
1: They're gonna learn all their lessons from the mistakes of Venom One and make a really cool Venom Two. Um, well, that's what
0: worries me. It's like there was an element of lightning in the bottle, the
1: accidental like two bros who are both
0: outcasts like finding each other and, and maybe they don't have the most healthy relationship but that's what they need from each other at that time and they, they just go on like a gay spree in, in San Francisco having a good old time. I think once you know that and you start to go into the second movie trying to recreate that, it's gonna fall off the
1: rails a little bit. Mm. Possibly, the, the same writer, Kelly Marcel from the first one mm. is returning. Mm. Uh, she's known from her high quality work in Venom, Fifty Shades of Grey, Saving Mister Banks, the TV show Terra Nova, and an upcoming movie called Cruella, which I think is about the Dalmatians villain. Yeah, sounds good. Um, It's about right. But I guess uh, working writer Circus was quoted in saying that Tom's heavily involved in writing the script this time, which might mean more lobster tank weirdness. That
3: was stuff he just did on the day. Mm -hmm. In his defense, he probably was like. This shoe's going to suck, so <laughs> why don't we do something in the lobster tank?
2: As uh, this part, I'm really hot, and on all of says lobsters. I I know, do which lobsters. I don't
3: blame him, because it's, again,
1: uh. the only entertaining aspect
3: <laughs> of the film. Well, I yeah, agree. so
1: hopefully they're doubling down on that kind of I, cartoonishness. Well, I'll
3: say this. If, if the best agreed to be the best parts were the dynamic between Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy, right? <laughs> yeah. A.K.A. Eddie Brock and Venom was the be- only thing that people seemed to enjoy. No one pointed at the action. No one pointed at the interesting villain or the characters or, any, or the love yeah. story. No one pointed at any of that. No, that it was, was all, all terrible. like, oh, I really liked watching Tom Hardy talk to Tom Hardy. But those moments were fleeting. Hmm. Andy Serkis, at least as an actor, mm-hmm. has, it, it has experience with some of the best sequences in the history of film where, the, where one character is talking to himself. Yeah, well, he, exactly a very good point. <laughs> so, <you> go. <laughs> so I would say in terms of the first person plural – side of the film, it'll probably get better.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> and hopefully there's more of it. Uh, Circus, his his expertise would certainly be performance capture, and maybe he can bring some of that knowledge to the Venom character? Maybe.
2: Per, I, this is, if you're getting into the, so, hey, Big spoiler at the end of Venom. Um oh. there's uh this actor you may remember from Cheers and he's wearing a clown wig. Ted
1: Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they should get Ted. They should yeah. get all of Kelsey Grammar?
2: I mean I don't think it matters who plays uh Carzenberg. Just there's a there's probably an <laughs> actor going? young people had no idea. They're like, This is the guy from Zombieland maybe. Norm? Uh, true Detective And he just goes Christy there, Alley There's gonna be Carnage And then he, he's like Oh they're gonna yeah. have Carnage In the second one Woof Yeah Woof. Um. But when you do The Venom Carnage storyline You start to do The Separation Anxiety uh Storyline from the <laughs> 90s baby I think the
0: The moral punch of that Is like As Venom is an anti-hero yeah. Carnage is a villain Like he yeah. In Spider-Man lore he's, he's the Joker He's the one yeah like inhuman, uncurable, can't be reasoned with, can't be, like he just wants to murder. Mm-hmm. So it, it always, it pushes the question of like, is it okay to kill a killer? That's the whole thing about Carnage. And if Venom's an anti-hero, that's not a question. It's just like he's they just kill each it. other. Mm. Yeah, he's just gonna kill him, or well, try to anyway.
3: Also, the other thing too is, there's, this si- there's the other aspect, the interesting thing about Carnage oh, is that Venom com- comes onto the scene, sure. seems like a bad guy. I was saying
0: that to James, it's just a, a scene in the trailer. Yeah, I realized yeah. in audio that no, could sound yeah. really bad.
3: Uh, Venom is on the scene, seems like a bad guy, Kind of comes to terms with his villainous and realizes he, there's potential there for his tendencies can, to do good, and then Carnage, like you said, shows up and is irredeemable and it's pure bad and it's like almost like a mirror image. It's like oh well, this is what happened if I didn't ever stop kind of going. But when the first movie is also about a mirror image of you, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> it's the same exact. I way. don't understand where you're supposed to go with something like Carnage. Other yeah. than hopefully the CG is better, and now we can tell them apart. I just because
1: te- <laughs> one's redder. Yeah, Yes. Yeah. There's, there's father son dynamics there too. Well, yeah, because it's also a huge
0: Spider Man thing. But
1: Carnage is Venom's
0: offspring. Yeah, in some way, a S- uh, spawn or whatever. I, yeah, but yeah. In the
3: world of goop dripping off goop, I don't know that there's going to be that great of a story there. I mm. don't think so. It
2: it just I'm just saying like with the. as a kid growing up not knowing much about Venom and kind of watching the Spider-Man cartoon and stuff it was cool to see Spider-Man and Venom team up Mm -hmm. to take on a villain Or they're like whoa this guy is so bad Venom we gotta team up and take him down oh cool Spider-Man and Venom fighting back to back for now the truce is on until this fight's over and then it's it's back to basics, and then also Doppelganger was in it, and that's a weird character. Oh, you're talking
0: about Maximum Carnage.
2: Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Maximum Carnage. Yeah, but um, there's a lot of weird characters in Maximum Carnage. Mm, that was yeah. that was the the C tier trying to do their version of like <laughs> uh, you know, Infinity War. Or I think something. Clo- that's when I found out about Cloak and Dagger. I mean, oh, yeah. they mm, have their own show. Yeah, for, yeah. the Dude. thing things I never hear. I love the action in Venom. I can't wait to see Cloak and Dagger tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Man, when's the runaway hey, is coming back? I got on.
3: chills when Ooh. I saw Woody Harrelson in that Jessica clown Jessica Jones, wig. Luke Cage, Daredevil, all over. You know what's not? What? Cloak and Dagger. A still going is that on a whatever CW? channel that, it's Here's on. the thing. Fox I don't know. Sports 3 or something. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that,
2: was <weird. laughs> that was a weird one. Good, good for Netflix for at least trying to replicate what they're doing with the MCU and then somehow spectacularly failing. Well,
0: I just... It, Cost too much, you know. I,
2: Netflix is running out of
1: money. Well, and at some point, Netflix decided only two seasons of a show was the magic number. So, is that because of royalties? Stranger Things three would to differ there, Dan. No, I I,
0: I, just I don't think, remember the
1: reasoning behind it. I
0: think but... well, I just I think it's just chronology. I think they greenlit a lot of shows, managed to get two seasons out of them before they burned all of their cash. And I don't know what the
2: long play there was, but they're well, about you to. Only, you only pay Disney so much for rights, and then you're like, well, yeah. why are we doing this?
1: If they're gonna do their own streaming platform, who cares? So but... I, I did a tiny bit of research looking up where Symbiotes came from in the comic book universe, <laughs> no. and this shit is wild. Okay. No, comic book storylines are, story
2: <laughs> I mean, that are they, fucking bonkers. They explained it in the movie pretty well, so I like to see what you can, <laughs> you can teach me today. You're
3: right. Crashes in Central Park, right next no. to where a hammock is made out of spider webs, <laughs> and um, that's how they form. Spider. Wait, way before that. Oh, okay, that, try, try
1: it, to guess again.
2: It's a planet of symbiotes. No, yeah. right? Yes,
1: Adam got close there. Oh,
3: yeah, we
2: we know because he brought back from space Secret Wars. He said that in music. He's like, I am a turd on my planet, yeah. <laughs> and I I'm like you. I am
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, there, there's a planet of symbiotes that was created as a prison for the guy that created the symbiotes, who's wow. an evil entity. Why it's would you put
0: dumb. the Why would you put him there? If he made all the symbiotes, because he was
1: he was bad, and they didn't want to be bad anymore. But he knows how. To, never mind. We cr- you created the Twinkie. We will
2: put you in a prison full of Twinkies.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: No, but he he created the symbi. He chopped off the head of one of the Celestials and okay. forged the symbiotes in that dead head that became nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy. Cool. It's fucking cool. dumb. Wait, um, so dumb um, or what's cool. This? <laughs> yeah. Depending. At some point, one no, of no, them but- one of them was a dragon and came to Earth, and Sick. Thor beat it up. Fuck yeah. And that's what severed the connection between. Was it Null, the guy that created these symbiotes, Okay. Mm. and uh, the control over them? Nah. So that's when they revolted against him and created a planet to imprison him.
0: Was this okay. all retconned, or was this I don't like, know, man. yeah, I,
1: I'm always curious. This was five minutes of Wikipedia.
0: There, yeah, there were Secret Wars, and then that
2: was the original. The
0: black. This suit. is. I think this yeah. is newer retconning. I would. It
2: sounds like it. I mean, it's comic books in general, though they. It's always like, well, once they say multiverse, all bets are off, and <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah, if you don't like that version of the story, wait ten years and they'll do yeah. it again. It's fine. It's don't
1: spectacular worry. spectacular Spider-Man. So you guys aren't excited for Woody to be Carnage? <sighs> you don't think he can like do a, a toe-to-toe with uh, Tom Hardy? He's an amazing actor.
0: Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we were kind of we were vamping about this before the podcast started. It's I, I I don't know James I think you you summarized it perfectly so.
3: Well, I mean, it was based off what you were saying. I think you're <laughs> correct, but the m- movie, at least the first Venom, seems to be at odds with what uh, Cletus Cassidy is and who Woody Harrelson is. And you can either do one of two things when you take a known character. Cletus Cassidy is a very eccentric, like Lauren said. He's basically the Joker. Mm-hmm. He's wild. He's a serial he's killer. serial killer. He's, he's mm-hmm. muttering and very fast, and that's what makes him kind of scary. Um, but uh, Woody Harrelson is none of those things. In fact, he's the <laughs> polar opposite of all of those things. He
1: is a, a slow step down, yeah, at all times, which is he's also scary seven. in its own
3: way. Woody Harrelson has played very scary people in in his career, and he's a great actor. But the movie has to understand the strengths of the actor and the capabilities of the actor and what he's his his strengths are. So at the end of Venom, when he shows up. He is literally at odds with those two strengths. Mm-hmm. They put him in a bright red the, the clown wig's wig is gonna have to go, right? right? A bright mm-hmm. red clown wig but, and then gave him lines that are supposed to sound eccentric and wild, but Woody Harrelson performs them in Woody Harrelson's way, which is this slow, drawn out thing,
2: you're, and it is Yeah, you're is waiting for him to like sip lemonade between yeah. each it, word. It feels like a, like a joke.
1: I, I feel like they might be able to find like a weird comedy in all of it. Like the, the few things that we liked about Venom, I feel like Woody could do that stuff too. Well, well that's also, a problem. Are
2: they gonna keep Woody Harrelson too? Was he just there because he was uh, Zombieland's
1: friend?
3: It's mm, a good uh, question. I mean, I'm when, pretty, pretty sure that when stuff like that happens, he's already signed a contract yeah. that said he's coming back for the next.
1: He's going to be in six. Of them I don't think that probably. you show
3: up with the lead-in to the next one without having signed a document saying that, yes, I will be in the next one. This, so,
2: this would be great, is if he, he shows up and he goes, "It's me, Cletus Cassidy, senior." <laughs> and,
3: then, oh. and then his son shows up yeah. the real Cletus uh-huh. and then he kills him yeah, and he goes I'm right. crazy. That's yeah. fine.
2: We fixed it.
0: I can I can see a path. And th- this is all like white this is you know like bullet points on a whiteboard. It's all executional obviously, but I could see you know with true crime being big right now it's like he's that kind of serial killer. It's like urbane, more of like a Ted Bundy type where he's in prison but he manipulates the media, he presents a certain image, very Woody Harrelsony of being like wholesome and like I didn't do these things. I don't know why everybody's freaking out. And uh, he can execute that. I think then it's you also link it to, uh, to Eddie Brock being a journalist of like, no, he's trying to find the truth, and here's this guy manipulating news media to present this image. So Cletus gets out, starts murdering people, and then you have that like two-tone combat again where Eddie Brock's trying to out him as a serial killer. Meanwhile, with Venom is trying news. to fight carnage. I got so it. again, whiteboard, the, the, the arrows line up. I could see that working out, and oh, I could fine. see it working with like, the way villains are perceived in media now and then like true crime killer kind of thing could work out I pretty well. I think they get an apartment together and we just see if it works. <laughs>
3: I, I, they draw know, a line down a the ball. middle. Yeah. There's, there, there's no way to judge the movie before it even exists. No, So we're not trying to do that. But in terms of understanding how movies are made and the business of movies, there's a couple things you can look at. Number one, director didn't come back. <laughs> so number, ever, two, got number two, same writer. Right. Hmm. so that means that no, they, they already in. laid a groundwork the writer didn't write something and say I can't wait to destroy all this in the next one <laughs> yeah. that rarely happens normally a new writer comes in and then destroys everything <laughs> um, they also what, well yeah he the did what he referring wanted to, to? Do. Um, but uh, but then they also like just the vibe that I got is that Sony was just as surprised as everyone in this room that Venom did as well as I'm it sure. did
1: we did a whole podcast about how the movie was going to fail, actually. Yeah, and it, we were very wrong. Just
3: in terms of its release and everything about its per- early perception, it seemed like they were like, "Oh shit." Mm-hmm. Well, let's put it out there and hope for the best. And then it did huge, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Oh my god!" And then like that, there were even like conversations like, "Well, oh, now they're thinking about taking Spider-Man back." <laughs> like like news stories kind <laughs> of came out, mm-hmm. which sounds to me that Sony didn't have a plan necessarily in place. So you could take that one of two ways. One, they're willing <laughs> to throw it all all out the window to make something better. Or two, they don't need a plan. They might not. The lesson they learned generally, what, what business people generally learn order. is if something works, oh, I guess we didn't need a plan. Mm-hmm. They don't then prepare more for the next one. That's what mm-hmm. I've learned working in this industry for as long as I have. I hmm. didn't see Mowgli,
2: but I I feel like as an actor and the projects he's chosen, Andy Circus has more wins than losses sure I would say even from his video game choices the stuff he did with uh, Ninja Theory if you ever played um, what was, was it Sweet. Heavenly Sword he was the oh. villain in that I thought he was actually amazing Fuck, Andy Serkis would be a good Carnage <laughs> no, yeah. he, go about <laughs> well, um, he just
3: takes over he's already in the MCU but then, he, uh, could what, the, yeah. he could do the he could
2: do the performance capture also him in Enslaved another yeah. video game that he was like Heavily involved in and like worked like his like his little like mocap company like worked heavily on but, it and stuff. But he does he does good projects. So I'm, say I'm hoping he brings something to your this. role
3: as an actor in someone else's vision is entirely different than you having to to create something from nowhere. Unless the studio is like, well, this is guy who's laying out one thing. Maybe he wants to get he wants to get into this world, so we'll give him this thing. Mm-hmm. He has credibility, exactly like Adam's describing. So people will go, "Oh, cool, Andy Circus." But ultimately, when it comes down to it, the guy in the executive office is going to be the one saying, "No, Andy, this is how it's going to happen." Mm-hmm. Like, and he won't fight it because while we think he has this kind of leverage in this world of directing mm-hmm. feature films, mm-hmm. major feature films, he may have none. We well, don't know. So I, I was, have a
1: feeling Tom has a lot of. Oversight, probably. Well,
0: yeah. He, yeah, I'm sure he has. I was curious how much an EP, yeah, budgeting might factor into it because now that now that well, the movie's a success, the yeah. director can probably ask a much bigger check. and Certainly, Tom Hardy is, and they can't lose Tom. Oh, so maybe it's like, well, the director's coming back saying, "I, I made, I spun this into gold for you. Now you got to pay me." They, no, they these
3: contracts are written on like ten year. Okay, everything is now ruined. <laughs> not ruined, but like <laughs> like every single studio will sign you on for one thing expecting you're going to do. Friends ruined everything basically. (laughs) Fucking friends. No one's going to get caught off guard again. So I'm sure that when Ruben Fleischer came on he said this is how much I'm going to get paid for this one and then if we decide to do a second one this will be the rate for the second one or whatever. I guarantee like especially in the world of trilogies at the very least you know Mm -hmm. like I don't think they would have made that
1: mistake but. So how how do you make Venom 2 good? Does Mm -hmm. anyone have any brilliant ideas to throw to Sony right now?
2: I guess it depends on whether you think Venom 1 was good hmm. that's a really well, good point, point. Yeah, agree then it was like, wasn't then change nothing
3: yeah but it, we don't think it was good but it made 800 million dollars right
2: <laughs> don't ask my opinion studio because yeah, if I yeah. walked in I said well this is how you make it good they're like right but how much money will make I can't tell you because yeah. uh, Into the Spider-Verse I thought was your better Spider-Man movie and it made way less money but it got an Academy Award, so take mm-hmm. that for what it's worth. I don't know. I don't know. How how do you make it more like Spider Verse? I guess you don't because it's Venom. If you want
3: to, <laughs> if you want to impress me for the sake of conversation, you make something that isn't conventional. Venom okay. was a superhero origin story from by the 1998. Yeah. Paint by numbers. <laughs> okay? and so yeah. and so you can't do that again. You can't do the
1: sequel now. Yeah. Which is probably what they'll do: just double down on well, what we, they thought. we we yeah. up the
2: stakes. The villain's bigger than ever. <laughs> yeah. the Ritter. world has never been in more. Uh, harm's oh no, way. he
3: lost his powers. <laughs> like, will ultimately we be the thing? So, like that—that's how they save a hundred million dollars halfway yeah. through the movie is yeah. by saying, "Oh, well, now he can't be." Yeah, there's, venom. Gonna,
2: there's gonna be a part where the symbiote venom gets up and leaves and he's like, I need to find myself. Sorry. I need to find myself. Yeah, there, there we he go. Said to my home Sounds thing. like Dr.
0: Claw. No, I, I bet Carnage like beats him in their first encounter or whatever. And then it's like, so the whole question about any heroes is, is you do the right thing in the wrong way. So you save people by killing or in Eddie Brock's case, you like, Maybe you manufacture evidence to make a case against Cletus oh, Cassidy or something like that. He has that. to
1: sacrifice his integrity as a journalistic journalist. Integrity he did that
2: in the first the right. one when he went he did. to his girlfriend's laptop. So Shit. All, the, all those beats were in the first <laughs> movie.
0: Doesn't mean you can't do it in the sequel again. Of course. But that's that's I I, yeah, I do James. I think you're right. Is like is is there is there is an initial thing you establish it. Carnage gets on him somehow. Venom like tells Eddie. He's like, oh, I have a son and I hate him, man. and then like
1: they then <laughs> it's, Cletus, a, it's like, about a bad dad again.
0: Yeah, it's Bad Dad. They they like they lock horns in the courtroom, and Eddie's like, No, I have evidence, journalistic evidence. And the court's like, We don't care. We like this guy too much. They let him out. Uh, they fight when he's out. Venom loses because, I don't know, he's not willing to get dirty enough to beat Carnage for some reason. And now Eddie, Eddie by himself as a journalist man has to, like, decide, is he going to manufacture evidence to get Cletus back in the asylum room? I don't know.
2: We're still pretending he's a journalist. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, that how ended? It, he had a YouTube channel? Being Venom yeah. is <laughs> enough right. to like, uh, pay okay. the
1: bills. Right, at some point, he's got to throw away Venom, and then Michelle Williams comes in as she-Venom, right? She Ooh. already did that. Well, oh. again, the movie no. already did that again, no. no
3: but they can't do it again because <laughs> yeah. they already did that But more. Gonna, what they'll have to do is again, but he's going to befriend some kid <laughs> right he's going to befriend some kid at the beginning the of the movie no. and then ultimately what will happen is it will be him is Venom, her is Venom and the kid is Venom That's that's the only way you can up the ante of she-venom is now you need (laughs) family-venom dog venom venom. There's a dog that's now-venom, like everything, it's everything-venom, it's like, oh, that's how we've upped the ante. Is there a scene where
0: they go to Subway and you need a venom sandwich? Sure, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) He's Uh, gonna
1: be like a street urchin that he gets some sort of secret journalism news for his YouTube channel. It's gonna be
0: a kid wearing a newsy cap that, like, is barefoot and can sneak into air vents to find secret information. Oh, Oh I can't wait.
1: So, they've actually, they've got to get busy. This movie's slated for release on October 2nd, 2020. (laughs) Great, Um, great, perfect. Which is uh, actually pretty soon, uh, considering they just signed a director this week.
3: Oh.
0: Hopefully the script's really far. I mean, this is sort of How much filming do they genuinely
3: have to do? I was going to say, you're you're always going to come in uh, within schedule (laughs) if you have a release date before you ever sign a director.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe
3: they're already rendering some of the action scenes. That's great. If they've already got the action scenes done and no director, that's perfect. That means we're perfectly on pace to make a shit movie. <laughs> oh boy. Good God. I didn't know that. You don't know that. that that's, they could push the date. The but release date is very close well, because it, for a movie to come out. It's, They'll push it. The but. fact
2: that they're even doing it on the same, in the same month as the last one, Whether they're like,
3: not taking any risks. So they're like it's same thing, same, same thing, story. Do same it again. Do it again. again. I love Sony. This right? one's red. <laughs> I want. Uh, now
1: we
0: need to talk about logo treatment. Where's that two gonna go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's gonna be like Venom Maximum yeah, Carnage or gonna, something, yeah, right? It's gonna not gonna be Venom, not gonna call it Venom Two. Why uh, not? It something else.
2: I think they're gonna call it Venom Two T W O, and oh. then the number two underneath, and say the sequel to the first one that you love so much. Okay. It's even coming out on the same day.
3: Spider-Man date. question mark? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: oh wow. So yep. you guys want Spider-Man in this movie? No. 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 Anyway, what about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man? No. I, I don't, don't want anything. There, there was a guy who
2: I had worked with. You don't want any of it? <laughs> I don't want any of it. There, there was a, there was, I remember when they announced that they were going to do Venom in Spider-Man 3. I got excited because yeah. as a kid I liked Venom. Yeah, me too. And there was a guy who worked with, he was like an IT guy who I worked at like back in the day. and He, he was a hardcore comic book reader. And he kept saying, Venom's stupid.
1: Venom is stupid. Venom and is very I kept stupid. going,
2: what? No, Venom's what? such a cool character. And he was like, Venom's dumb. There's nothing redeemable about Venom. <laughs> just edgelordy. You don't want Venom. And I went. He's very lordy. And
3: I went. I mean, oh. he was a Todd McFarlane special, right? You see, hold on, guy. You can't just blanket shit on all comic stuff <laughs> from the 90s. Because, yes, now it does seem stupid. Yes. Now it does seem stupid. But. It was cool. <laughs> I, you can't deny was. that it was cool. It really I'm with was. you.
2: I, I'm James, and I were the kids growing up watching the shitty '90s cartoon that I still love in a weird way. Not
3: crazy about
0: that. I only say because <laughs> I the, so the opening
2: animation is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Shocker! The, and then the story kicks in. Yeah.
3: Shocker! <laughs> yeah, he's That voice he's, actor really. Swung I still fantasized about Felicia Hardy's boobs. Hell Absolutely. yeah, dude! How they got bigger when she, she transformed into Black Cat.
2: Yeah. No, I. I I understand that the animation was probably pretty... It's
0: pretty it crude. It came
2: in under budget. Oh my God. I just realized Catwoman,
0: Black Cat, same fucking – never mind. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, of there, course. There's a lot of overlap there. Thanos, well, and Dark just side. also thematically both those characters are like, stop being a normal person and just be Spider-Man slash Batman forever,
2: and we can be cool superhero fuck pals. I'm yeah, like, but they nah. combine Gwen Stacy and Felicia yeah. Day or something into the same – Felicia, Felicia Hardy. Felicia Hardy. <laughs> 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 my bad. Anyway. How dare um, you. Regard- I just – there were cool moments where – Spider-Man made Venom interesting and vice versa. Yeah, Because they they did the thing, which I thought they did really well in the new Spider-Man movie, which is, what's one of Spider-Man's powers that we haven't explored? Oh, his spider sense. How does he use that mm. to defeat the villain? Venom's whole thing is that he can block Spider-Man's spider sense. So now it's like, oh, okay, now you have to outsmart him a different way. You use loud sounds. Uh, hit a bell. <laughs> he hit a bell. Mm. But regardless, it, it just, it's interesting to see the anti-Spider-Man be this huge hulking thing, which is just looks cool and could be cool, but maybe there's a reason why the new video game didn't use Venom. <laughs> Throwing that out there, <laughs> I don't know. It's for Spider-Man too. Maybe Spider-Man it, Venom Venom. It will take a smarter man than I or woman to make well, Venom and Spider-Man work well. The 20 game did years Sinister from
0: now. sticks, which is like the other plot line you use. It's either that or like clones or whatever, which no, no one no wants. clones. So, so yeah,
1: you you started to wrap. Um, Eminem's song for Venom Who should do the, the rap credits song For Venom 2 R. Max Kelly Carnage.
0: <laughs> R. <laughs> Kelly is a good pick actually All, right, done. All, All right. the ones I'm thinking of are too high profile Like Kendrick, No Way what do you mean? Eminem's for Venom is pretty high profile <laughs> One of the
2: highest grossing films of 2018, 19 I don't 19, know actually? if they're
0: willing Do you think they'll have the budget to just drop The movie made $850 million <laughs> dollars? Yeah, Who's
2: on right. Sony's music label That's right. the real question Ah
1: there we go Adam. Who's always, on Inters- Always with the real answers.
2: It's a, who's on Interscope? It's gonna be Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Sure.
0: I mean they, they put out an album recently, didn't they? I don't know. Twenty eighteen.
2: The, so- the song's gonna be called Venom Two.
3: <laughs> T-O. No, it's gonna be called Carnage. Are you kidding me? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. It's time for Carnage. In parentheses <laughs> and Venom Two. White Zombie is <laughs> back together for one last song. <clears throat>
0: called- Isn't Rob Zombie got a new movie coming out? That's not what yes. we're talking
1: about. Yes. Yeah, good. Off topic. Different podcast. Anyway, uh, let me tell you guys a little bit about our sponsor this week. Hems, a wellness brand for men. The sun is out. Summertime's upon us. It's time to get out and enjoy the weather. Are you busting out that old trucker hat or baseball cap for a day at the beach or ballpark? Is it for style or are you rocking it to hide some thinning hair? Don't sweat hair loss this summer. Do something now while you still can. We've got a problem. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Is your hairline creeping back like the setting sun over the horizon? The best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it now, while you still have some. Why do nothing when we have the science? HIMSS is the answer. A one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. Hair loss can be a real hit to your confidence. I know hair loss is something that I worry about too, but it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. HIMS is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No more snake oil pills, gas station supplements, or deals with the devil, just prescription solutions backed by science. 4HIMS connects you to real doctors online, which saves you hours and is completely confidential. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions which a doctor will review and if they determine it is right for you can prescribe medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door i will also personally recommend speaking to your doctor to make sure that this is safe and appropriate for your specific body and health situation stop fussing over getting sunscreen on that spot of thinning hair up top do something to help stop hair loss and help promote hair growth order now Filmhouse listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five dollars today right now while supplies last see the website for full details and safety information this could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else so go to slash filmhouse that's f-o-r-h-i-m-s dot com slash f-i-l-m-h-a-u-s slash filmhouse thank you hymns for bringing us here this week to talk about venom
2: thank you so much
3: <laughs> they're like um, we're sorry <laughs> so
1: Uh, We're gonna start a little bit of a film club here at Funhouse on Filmhouse and so in a couple weeks on August twenty third, we are going to review uh, the Death Stalker one and Death Stalker two. Yes. Oh, I saw Death one. Yeah, these are awful films. That movie is what? horrible. Yeah, what? how dare like,
0: you? No, it's morally reprehensible. Oh uh, well. That movie is in- intense, man. I haven't seen Death two yet. You know what
2: though. it also is available on Amazon
0: yeah. Prime. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I, available I tr- on Amazon. I troll Amazon in, Prime in every North day. America
1: or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I watched yes. Galaxia last night. <laughs> Um, so go go check out, watch some Deathstalker. Come back in a couple weeks, and we'll talk about Deathstalker. If you want to join, we're in doing on the, the whole trilogy, all two of them. It is. Cr- There's two more. It There's four creepy. of them actually, and <laughs> yeah. four two spinoffs actually. Wow. There's six films in the, the Deathstalker. Stalk deather? <laughs> yeah, what no, what one of the his female companions got a spinoff? Oh, I like believe. the Red Sonya. Yeah, oh, I, I love boy. this. Anyway, cool. um, uh, check it out. Join us uh, on the Deathstalker cast Christ. on. August 23rd. That is, unless, uh, that's right around D23, so if Star Wars releases a trailer, we probably have to talk about that.
3: Boom. Um, that we'll do that for a couple <laughs> minutes and get back to a
0: real story. That get back to Stalker. That movie's chock full of tits, right? Yeah, some just of it, but just the trailer
1: alone looks uh, like a, a softcore.
0: It's, right? Yeah, more or less, but a lot
1: rapier. <laughs> anyway, enjoy that. <laughs> It'll be fun, everybody. Sure. Um, so, uh, for the rest of the podcast, we have a few minutes, I think... People have been asking about it. We all sort of enjoyed it. Uh, different oh, I levels. loved it. I like, but don't talk uh, yeah, for me,
3: you monster. <laughs> I loved it, man. Yeah, I J- loved it too. Loved okay. what?
1: Tarantino's <laughs> ninth film. Thank you. Um, yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I. It was super self-indulgent masturbatory to a certain point Um, Mm -hmm. it was a big love letter to Hollywood and I really enjoyed it I I, described every single Tarantino movie ever made uh, (sighs) I I see it as even more self-indulgent than any of his other movies probably Um,
0: it's kind of like Hail Caesar but it does kind of have more of a point mm -hmm. than Hail Caesar did I Mm -hmm. think I think so I I I took a very powerful point by the end of it
3: yes I agree I agree Hail Caesar felt a little confused And it was like, oh man, it's fun to watch the Coen brothers like get
1: distracted making these other movies in this movie that they're trying to make. To me, it almost seemed like they were making a TV show and then had to make a movie out of it and just Mm. took their favorite little tiny bits. Kind of, it just seemed like
3: they they were enamored by that era of filmmaking. And they were like, let's do a film that's set in that era. So that way then we can just make little side movies and we'll just like, whereas normally it would end up in the special features. We'll put the whole scene in there. Mm. We'll put the whole dance scene that we did and it was probably fun for them but it didn't feel as genuine as this. This felt like a movie, and I think because of the way Quentin Tarantino made the whole thing, that sometimes Quentin Tarantino does just get distracted by things in his sure. other movies. Like, it's like, oh, we're on our main character. what's that car? And then you follow the <laughs> car for 45 minutes, you know, and it's like completely different characters. There stuff. was a lot of
1: cars and music in this movie. Just oh, yeah. kind of rolling around town. It was great. But I think that was it. Brad and Leo were so great. I was down to just chill with them for the two and a half hours. I, I there, there didn't Pitt have to be a He Was point. my best friend. I, yeah. I
2: like that there's no conflict between
1: them ever. Yeah. Not one. No, it's, oh, yeah. it's about their bromance. Well, That's like a, major uh, one of the two themes of the movie. There's maybe. nearly a conflict. I wouldn't
3: call between it a bromance. I don't know. They they were I definitely got a
1: bromance vibe. Yeah, they were well, in love with each other. Well, yeah. I wrote oh, boy, the quote I didn't down. That at all. More, it was like more were, than a brother and less than a wife. Yeah. Was, was how they, someone described their. I definitely got the vibe that they fucked. That they had sex with each other. Oh, no. I said he
2: carried his load. I know, but that's... (laughs) I thought that was going to actually be a twist in the movie, that they were lovers.
0: I got the vibe that Leo is just so self-absorbed that he doesn't even realize all the sacrifices that are being made on his behalf. Well, I think there's that, too. Which is just like, to me, the entire thing, and and this is basically literally said, the entire thing is a parable for how stuntmen are treated in Hollywood.
3: Yeah, I, I I get all of those things, but I also think that there is a almost a romantic relationship between them. I, huh. I don't think that, that that relationship could only be specifically applied to that thing, which is why I felt like the movie was so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Huh. There's, that's why, that's why I loved it. It's like Brad Pitt loved him, like, like really genuinely loved him and as I like, felt like he was prepared to do anything for him and encourage him in any way, shape or form, even if it meant, even if it was to his own detriment, just because he was so enamored with this friend of his that he would just go for it. And I I kind of loved it because it didn't veer into abusive. The movie paints it in a way that it didn't feel like an abusive relationship. I never felt like Leonardo DiCaprio was was an asshole to him him. or taking Mm -hmm. advantage of him. It felt like he like asked him to do things and was like, is it okay if you do this? And he's like, sure man, yeah, of course. Which to me feels more genuine and back and forth. And then there's a thousand things Brad Pitt does that he doesn't even realize. That is helping him out. The, I but. think a lot.
1: A lot of people give modern movies shit for the male gaze, but this movie, I feel like doubled down on the female gaze of just taking in Brad Pitt for minutes <laughs> on end. The
3: coolest he's been
1: since Fight Club, yeah. in my opinion. He looked amazing. I, um, I agree
3: with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Would, would you live behind a drive-in mm-hmm. though? Would that be cooler, obnoxious? I mean, in his little shack. Yeah, in, in, in the his little trailer. Trailer. That, that's I mean, no. like what
2: Lawrence was saying. That I think that's just a very Tarantino yeah. thing, where it's like. A stunt man who lives in a trailer with his dog. Well also behind the screen exactly yeah no there's it, it's such a it's it's literal <laughs> yeah <laughs> to the point but like I
0: mean it's literal in the sense that yeah. actors step over the bodies of stuntmen to make their
1: careers Like yeah. that yeah. can you literally ex- happen expound upon what you were saying oh as sure far as a parable for how Hollywood treats stuntmen I
0: mean I, I think the movie is, is pretty explicit in that regard what 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 I find just sublime about the movie first of all Zoe Bell done all the stunt coordination which is fucking amazing and then the fact that the movie is bookended with some of the most ridiculous practical stunts. Setting eight people on fire is not something that happens. No one does that anymore. No one even sets one person on fire anymore, because it's dumb. It's like, it's a stunt that no one wants to do and is ridiculously dangerous. It's way too costly. I mean, I think you guys even kind of butted up against that a little bit, trying, mm-hmm. to, trying to like look into doing a particular sketch, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> to do that, it is, it is a grand statement about, I think, Zoe Bell's talents, and about them like trying to elevate practical stunt work, especially since we're in, an, we're in the age of stunt now. Like, something like Hobbs and Shaw is done by hundreds of very talented stunt performers, but, you know, they're not on the poster, they, they're not even in the academy, like, there's nothing for it. Mm-hmm. So a movie like this, that is essentially bookended by two ridiculous stunts of setting eight people on fire to start and then setting a person in water on fire at the end, do <laughs> that. But, but also, like, the movie doesn't masturbate on those scenes, it, like, it's couched in it being a scene in another movie, mm-hmm. so it's not like the movie's saying, this is our big spectacle, I mean, it kind of was at the end, that's how movies end. But the movie itself had ridiculous practical stunt work in it and very much 70s style stunt work of just like haymakers and guys falling off of buildings, um, guys getting into fights. It's not, it's not like the Bruce Lee style of like Hong Kong martial arts, which is essentially what's pervading action films now. So the fact that the movie is very literally about stuntmen being ground up and tossed away, but also the stunt work in the film is, is incredible, but also not, there's not a huge magnifying glass put on it. The movie doesn't put a frame around all of its stonework and say, "Pay attention to this." Mm-hmm. There's even like a there's even a western style like fall off of a roof thing. Dude falls through a balcony onto the floor, and it's a quick cutaway. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It was done for like comedic effect, but that's, I don't know. So to me, it's like not only is the movie literally saying that, but it also lives it because it has an, a bunch of incredible stonework that it also doesn't draw a lot of attention to. Mm-hmm. Something like death proof, it's right there. Like the whole the whole it's movie is face. a girl on the hood of a yeah. car. Uh, so. This, this, to me, was like, not only are you making a point, but you're also living it in a very genuine way, in a very clever way. So, I don't know. I, I got chills at the end when they, when they slam Brad Pitt into the ambulance and he drives off and then the actor goes over to hang out with Roman Polanski. I'm like,
1: yeah. <laughs> a little fairy tale ending. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. s- sort of, except that it's just like, I think there's a grand sadness there that's been happening in Hollywood for decades. You, you see headlines, they come and go. Somebody died on the set of Resident Evil. Somebody died on the set of Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. People gave their lives away for... For just to see a building fall over and that's incredible and it's it's just not really respected how much that factors into it and how much i i there's that that shirtless scene on the roof as much as that is appreciating brad pitt's physique it's also all the scars yeah he's covered in scars Mm -hmm. he has the specific scar you need to fix my shoulder bump the one along the clavicle that's what that is Mm -hmm. and that's what every stuntman has not saying that i'm one i'm just saying that like you Mm -hmm. that's just a common injury yeah so it's to see that stuff, it's like, no, there was actual, there's like a real understanding there of what that dynamic is like. It's weird because I, I only have a very limited, like I've, I've never been a professional stunt performer, but uh, you know, I've gone to school and hung out with them and got to talk to a dude, like the dude who worked there was one of the old Western stuntmen. And is like his skill set was, I have to be able to ride a horse, I have to be able to throw a haymaker, and I have to be able to fall off stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have to know how to unhitch a wagon. Like these, this mm-hmm. was the stuntman's toolkit and he could barely walk. Like, Ooh. he could stand for about 20 minutes before he had to lie down on the ground. Like, it, it thrashes your body. It's almost like old wrestlers. And mm-hmm. I it's love It's the same
1: thing. Yeah. It's, taking it's, huge hits for entertainment.
0: Yeah, but I, I think even stuntmen don't get to perform in such a controlled environment. Wrestlers at least have like nice mats. Well, the professional ones do. Mm-hmm. And there is some amount of effort taken to preserve their longevity. For a stunt performer, you're on set, you do your stunt. If you, if you get especially fucked up, they give you hazard pay. And then you're gone and that's it done done you don't get to like brag about it your job is over and you move on to the next
3: thing after like eating a ton of painkillers so
1: <laughs> so i think oh i was please. just
3: gonna say i was gonna say i i love all of that but i think what makes this movie even better is it does that's not its only agenda mm. mm-hmm. i agree. tarantino never like picks one thing some people some people pick one thing out that's enough for a movie but again also the movie's two hours and 45 minutes long, so it should have more than one agenda. But, like, I also love that as much as it does accurately state how stunt performers are stepped over, it, it also has a couple good commentaries on just, like, celebrity. Yeah, how through, we treat celebrities through Sharon when they're getting Tate's, older. Lim, she arguably has the l- smallest focus in this whole film, but, like, even her perspective is, like, oh, like, she has to show the person that she's like she's she doesn't is she famous she doesn't know she's kind of wrestling with that she isn't Mm -hmm. sure she kind of also leads this domestic life except when she goes to places and people like oh my god you're the most important person here and she's like okay I guess if you say so I feel like I'm just having a good time Um, I thought that was a fun thing but then Leonardo DiCaprio I think the thing that makes makes it not feel like an abusive relationship because he is his stuntman is that it will focus in on Leonardo DiCaprio's character and the fucking turmoil that he's dealing with on the other side, even as the one who's getting all this credit, who is a job that is arguably way easier, like to, if you ask anyone on the street who's got a harder job, the guy that jumps out of the building or the guy who pretends like he's going to and then stops and then goes to his trailer. But like, I think they do a, an amazing
1: job showing the burden of an actor. A lot of that was in Leo's, I think, subtle performance, actually. You, you oh, saw yeah. him choke back stutters a few times. Like, they didn't ever hear it home or even talk about the fact that he might have, like, a speech impediment, mm-hmm. but just showed brief glimpses of it. Yeah, yeah. And there.
3: Yeah, it was great. And then, And then there's, like, the scene where they show him acting poorly, feeling <sighs> yeah. not confident, and then acting great. And it's like, mm-hmm. you could show that to two people, and maybe they wouldn't necessarily notice the difference, but I think that you'd feel the difference. But if you, like have ever trained in acting or know that stuff, kind of like the stuntman thing. Like if you, you know that world and you can see those nuances, you know the scars and stuff, like it means more to you. Mm. The acting is kind of the same way where when he nails it, you're like, fuck, yeah. like oh, that's great. And um, honestly, my favorite, my favorite point in the whole movie of the very end, the ending scenes, uh, is when the little girl comes over and it's in the trailer and goes, that is the best acting yeah. I've ever seen in my whole yeah. life. And then he goes, he goes, thank you very much and then dies the, inside because it's like well, it, was like that part I did it
1: was that part in the movie yeah that's a good there. fucking note yeah okay so yeah yeah during
2: the Angry Birds premiere or whatever <laughs> they do mute it sort of, I saw some oh, movie yeah, that was like we went G-rated somewhere version. we saw something like PG-13 or something and they showed that trailer and they kept it in and they took that they took out the They first time I think I've ever seen a trailer get bleeped yeah hmm, it was weird
1: yeah. so you, you were talking about Sharon Tate this it, movie, I think, is interesting because you kind of have to know something about the Manson murders. Like, yeah, you don't have to know everything about no, it. No, you don't. It feels you, super you don't arbitrary think, if you don't, though. If you don't know that Sharon Tate's going to be murdered, like there's no tension at the end of the movie when those yeah. murderers are outside of the house. Yeah. Also, what's her point in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like see, she's essentially like Alfred Hitchcock's ticking time bomb. Like every yeah. time you show her. You're showing that time bomb I, after, ticking around. After *Inglorious
2: Bastards*, I took that as if there's going to be any historical movie this guy makes, it's not going to yeah, it's not going to follow but, what actually happened.
3: But I guess I guess the difference there is *Inglorious Bastards* is everyone knows the historical significance yeah. of World War II. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you Nazis say we're in Hitler. World War II, and you can already go, all right, I get it, I understand it. it's a war movie. There's sure. historical significance there, but just showing this blonde—if you don't know Sharon Tate and what happened to her, mm-hmm. then just showing a blonde woman going around town by the end of the movie means nothing. Sure.
1: It, that, that's to build a specific amount of yeah. tension, I that think. Being that being said, is released at the very end. It is
3: called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it
1: does flash the
3: date yeah. over and over again. So yes, you might not know, I think you can still enjoy it for all the. Again, she's the smallest part of it. I think he understood that some people may have no idea what I'm talking about. He goes, "Those people are fucking idiots." But yeah, he not care. You know, <laughs> but who gives a shit? But we're gonna put it fucking in there. And, yeah. and so, like, I think he. That's why it's the smallest part. It doesn't focus as much on that. But I do think that if you do know, it is a icing on the cake of this film mm-hmm. for me because it is. It is the ticking. Every time I saw her, I was like, oh, they're it, they're counting down. It was it just.
2: Is, it was refreshing though because. I went in thinking, well, he did in Glorious Bastards and that just takes a dump on actual history, but it's a movie, so you're allowed to do that and he can do whatever he wants, it's fine I like to go into this movie not knowing what was going to happen next they mm. do a lot of these anti-tension scenes, where they have tension and it builds up to nothing, mm-hmm. where it's like mm. he, he goes and he's like, where's that, where's Bruce Dern, and he's like, he's asleep somewhere, he's asleep, and he's like, I want to check on him and like, you can't check on him, and it's this whole buildup, and then nothing mm-hmm. really negative happens out of that, really? like It doesn't go the way you think it's going to, and I I thought that was just refreshing.
0: I, I think hmm. they paid that tension forward, though, and that scene specifically, yeah. I, you're, you're absolutely right. I was expecting that to be like a whole brawl, and instead, he finds the guy. It's actually the narrative that they put out. Yep. And he goes back to his car, his car's been slashed, he beats the shit out of that dude. Yep.
1: So, like, Beating up hippies. Yeah, basically. I kind of love all the fuck hippie talk. It was
0: funny. Yeah, of course, because like if you're working at the time, good God, yeah. you can't stand that shit. But I, I think, like, that scene, it's interesting because that scene, there's little blue balls there, but also you know that that, that tension still lingers mm-hmm. and is going to happen again. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is pretty masterful in that they don't give you the release right away, but tell you it will be coming yeah, later. I, and, but they and worse. set it up,
2: they, the way they set it up in the end of like, this is the night. The, we've already shown these hippies. They're in the car. It's the house. You're, so like, as a viewer, I'm going, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do. And uh, obviously, I, I guess we're in super spoiler territory, but like. The way they execute that ending, it's so tonally different from the rest of the movie that I, I found myself enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's, also, it was just it's
1: super cathartic seeing yeah, them, I was those just guys like, get the
2: shit He just leans into the violence so well, much.
3: Part of it to me felt like it was yet another agenda where it's like the, everyone is burdening themselves. They're constantly balancing the mundanity of their everyday lives to make these bigger than life things become real, AKA movies. Right? But for the most part, he's feeding his dog and he's sleeping next to his drugged out wife. Like, it's, it's all really boring. He's talking with agents and like dealing with his career and stuff. But then ultimately, when it merges, mm-hmm. like, you're like, oh shit, sometimes my life is the movie. And I, I do like Quentin Tarantino does that a lot, where he's like, it's just regular people. I didn't think about in that. In strange he situations. Puts on the but it, it always ends in a movie like it's weird like all of his move all of his movies acknowledge film or entertainment or storytelling or lies there's some meta
1: narrative but involved. they
3: always end up being a st- they always end up being a story that's more interesting than the story that they were trying to tell you so like in glorious bastards most of it takes place in a movie theater they show the story of the propaganda story of a sniper on a tower taking people. The power of it's film. all about how powerful is film. But then ultimately the film you're watching is way more powerful and interesting and climactic than that shitty film that was in the movie. Yeah. Even in Hateful Eight, a movie that doesn't have pre, predates film, starts with this Lincoln letter. So, like, mm-hmm. oh what a and that's basically the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. oh, here's this facade right but everyone around is like that's the most amazing facade i've ever heard of in my life and then it ends with them stringing someone up on a bed and like like just everything's gone to shit and you're like oh that's way more interesting than the letter <laughs> but then the movie still reminds you about the letter at the very end like it's that's i think huh. that's it's not something in all of his films but it's something he's been doing a lot lately where he like he's like all right we're going to build to a climax and that climax is going to be so much better than all of these other fake shit like he makes things that seemed cool in his movies to knock them aside at the end to show them something cooler <laughs> and i think it, i think that's pretty masterful i yeah. think there's no debating that he is a master of his craft for that very thing
1: so uh, did any of y'all have a problem with the bruce lee stuff that seems no. to have caused a little bit of a controversy uh, after this what, movie. he
3: throws him into a car and it. Was Did, well, Bruce he's kind of an asshole. He's so yeah. much up his
1: own ass. Which, oh. if you've ever like, oh, I've
0: read his books, and yeah. I've seen his interviews. He's absolutely that's, up his own ass. That's my thing he too. He had a right to be. Yeah, but he could, also he, he was killed super anybody, up his own ass. That, that's it. Didn't. I and mean, also Muhammad Ali could could
3: probably have whipped his ass. <laughs> I mean, I'm just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. So I I I love. We'll Bruce never know. I absolutely absolutely love Bruce Lee. I think he's fucking great. But, like Lawrence said, I read a lot about Bruce Lee. I've watched a lot of interviews and behind the scenes, and that's kind of on par with how Bruce Lee presented himself outside of all of his films. In Enter the Dragon and like Return of the Dragon, all those movies, he's this very stoic, very honorable, who's great at what he does, but he, he understands his power. But Bruce Lee, in real life, at least as perceived through his interviews and his writings, is like... Confident. overpower mm. show them your strengths like don't be pushed around uh fuck, uh that guy who made kung Fu <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
3: that's oh, hey. yeah, fine like he's, he's he was very much that kind of person he's like very confident and I do think that confidence is what got him as far as he did in his career but it so when I saw the scene, and he is basically a confident it's prick, exactly what you thought. I was like, that kind
0: of makes sense. Well, it also sort of violates the the standard like stuntman philosophy, which is that you show up, you take your hits and you leave, mm-hmm. and it's not about you. you're just there to make everyone else look good. Mm-hmm. You do your job and you go and and Bruce Lee like changed a lot of that, and for the better, I mean he he changed the the look of stunt work. He changed the fact that a leading man could act and do stunt work, mm-hmm. like he changed a lot and and I think that's. And as much meta, that's what that scene is about. It's about the conflict of the shifting face of stunt work in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it, there are definitely, like, the vibe in stunt stunt work is that, yeah, you don't showboat. You don't talk. You show up, you take your hit, and you leave. I mm-hmm. just I
2: always see this as, like, a, one of the things Tarantino said about his movies is, is this his most personal? And, of course, if you watch this movie, you go, what the fuck? How is this personal? It's because he adores and loves film and mm-hmm. so probably this is up, his life. he grew up a generation so consuming mm-hmm. so I always saw the things like Inglourious Basterds and at the end of this movie was sort of like his take on um, this is what I wish happened I think this is what everyone does have. and in his mind maybe he's like yeah I've researched and read a lot of Bruce Lee and I know Bruce Lee and it would have been awesome if some stunt dude kicked his ass <laughs> in the in, like an old you know leathery Robert Redford looking dude beats up on this shit talking dude which is I don't get me wrong, the the legacy of Bruce Lee will always be bigger than any sort of person he ever was because of the impact he had. Well, but And people would rather remember that. I have no idea if he was really I, like this like an asshole, but it made for an entertaining it, scene It was in very movie. fun. And it, uh, he
1: didn't necessarily get his ass kicked and Brad didn't get his ass, like they both like traded blows and it ended essentially just showing that Cliff Booth is a badass. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, kill Bruce Lee or like beat the shit out of him he just threw him into a car and it, was, it was fucking hilarious Yeah, um, he just put him over for the audience essentially using yeah. a wrestling term mm-hmm. um, so what happens in a world where the Manson family doesn't kill Sharon Tate or the other people they killed and the summer of love doesn't end and the 70s never got dark and paranoid and we just had the summer of love until 2019. I
2: guess the downward Ugh. spiral never I, gets recorded in that house. Thoughts? <laughs> 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 no I, don't, I have no yeah, idea no. what you're referencing. Um, the 90's Nails album, Downward Spot, was uh, recorded in the house that Sharon Tate was murdered in.
3: Oh. Moving on. They still recorded there. Um, I don't know. It is weird because a lot of reviews I read for this were like, oh man, Quentin Tarantino really hates hippies. But kind of to that point. <laughs> Everyone hated hippies. Well, kind of to that point, I was like, well, he hated those hippies. It's also a good joke. It's he, just a good recurring he, joke. Like, he, he hated those hippies, and these, these people at this point in time hated those hippies. But there is a, that is a good question because in some ways, these hippies, these fucking hippies, are the ones who ruined it yeah. for everyone else. A couple of psychos. Adam Carolla does a really good bit about Charles Manson where he's like what a fucking moron. He basically <laughs> coaxed a bunch of super hot women to just hang around and bang all day. Just fucking all day. And then he, that wasn't, he ruined it by sending
1: <laughs> them out to go murder. Like He Time could have kill. just done
3: that for the next five decades, <laughs> hanging out on a ranch and bang his life away. <laughs> um, so we,
1: we get one more Tarantino film. According to him, he's going to quit yeah. after 10. Yeah, Does right. anyone actually want it to be that Star Trek,
0: R-rated Star Trek movie that he keeps see that. talking about? So to me, and and this is related to Once Upon, is like Star Trek was actually pretty monumental in mm-hmm. terms of TV and cinema. It did a lot, and it pushed a lot of boundaries, both the original and like uh, Next Generation and all that stuff. Um, I could see Tarantino extracting that, uh, you know, significance. And I, I imagine through that significance, he probably has a particular love and respect for the series. So I could see him doing something really, kind of in the way that this was kind of profoundly dealing with stunt work and, and like the transition of Hollywood at the time. I could see him doing something pretty transcendent with Star Trek as a property. I don't think it's gonna look like any Star Trek we've ever seen, yeah. because you know, R rating and all that, but
3: I'd like to see him try. Uh, I, mean, I love the series. Science fiction is something, is like the one genre that he hasn't to really it. touched. So yeah, I, I've always, Lisa's said it too, like Quentin Tarantino doing science fiction would be pretty, pretty cool to see. Because it would be something we probably haven't seen before, so.
1: I'd personally rather him do something more original. Someone else will make another Star Trek movie. Well, I'd rather, if, it's gonna, if he really is gonna retire, I like not. his movies, I'd rather him do something Tarantino. You know you say Tarantino. when
2: you wanna make as much money as possible? You retire like Jay Z yeah. or uh, Michael Jordan. Take a decade That's, off. Yeah, you're like, hey, you know what? This is my last one. Or you're uh, what is it, Charles Gambino? And you're like, this is the last tour I ever do. Oh wait, it made so much money. I guess I'll do it again. <laughs> That's how you can get away with charging so much but, money.
1: Well, he's been at this
3: plan for a while because he's been talking about it for years. I, I also think that even if it was Star Trek, it wouldn't be Star Trek. Yeah, I it's agree. Quentin Tarantino, Inglorious Bastards, and Django are technically things that already existed that then he made in his image. And I don't think They're anyone very, very ever different. watches them mm. and goes like, oh, like mm-hmm. he just ripped off the old Django. Like, <laughs> there's, yeah,
2: there's a good video. I, for, oh, I forget the channel so, who did it. So maybe Vox. Paramount, right? What?
3: Or CBS. Um, yeah. i
0: trying to think of the it's corporate Paramount. entities. that Paramount he'd have to does work the, through. yeah. Down sorry, sorry, I didn't mean No, that no, that.
2: Oh, it's fine. I was saying to that point though, is that like uh, is just really good at, he's, he's perfected stealing. In the way that he he steals his so th- own, yeah, it's it's the same way, like a d or a uh, a music producer steals or like remixes a in a way. It's it's yeah, sort of having like being a tastemaker in a weird way. I don't know. He he's unlike so many other uh, directors out there. I think Edgar Wright's maybe the closest, hmm. possibly, hmm. but I don't know. It's I'm glad this guy's still making movies, even Me though he, you know he loves feet, and we got to put up with that, and that's okay. Yeah. But so he, if he, he
1: knows we know. He, he loves feet. He's going to be trolling a little bit at yeah, this point. Yeah, he's absolutely With the trying. amount of dirty feet. Put he Put your fucking in your feet face. up there. You yeah. guys want to take this put him on the glass. Tarantino foot quiz to sure. end out the show? Sure. Here, Why let's not? See if I can zoom into this.
0: Oh, we know that. Come on.
1: This is Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. easy. Uh, Kill Bill. Uh, Kill Bill. One or two. One. Volume that's one.
2: That's s- her waking
1: up. Yeah, that's one. Is it? No. Oh, those two. That's at the end when she's in the bathroom. Oh boy. I haven't seen this. Jackie Brown. Jackie
2: Brown. Yeah. That is deathproof. Uh, that is, oh, I know, I know, hold on.
3: Inglourist Bastards. Bastards, that's
2: uh, oh. the shoe hmm. scene, yeah. Kill
3: Bill or Resident? That looks like the church. Is that the uh, church but That was in the one? second
0: one. Yeah, one? that was volume two. Was the church in the first one?
3: It front? does really uh, look right.
0: like, oh wait, there might have been Dust flashes it, mm, yeah, it might be Dustal Dawn.
2: Try I Oh boy. Does but Dustal Dawn was
3: a as Selma a... Hayek scene and why wouldn't they show that? Yeah, and also I guess that gives it away He though.
2: didn't direct that. No, he this was...
3: is this is the sheriff arriving at the aftermath of go. the wedding. There you go. Oh, it's the b right.
2: That's pulp fiction.
3: Uh, yes.
1: Oh, yeah. Mia Wallace. Yeah. What is this? this?
2: Uh
1: I think it's Django. That is the Is, l- is that is that the the, l- the fight?
2: That's Django. Those are the um, yeah the two yeah. dudes beating on, on each other. Um, oh boy,
1: is that Pulp Fiction? Try Jackie Brown, because uh, I don't recognize uh, it.
2: And <laughs> I've <laughs> Have seen, you j- seen Jackie Brown. Seen it
3: twice. I
0: like know. how it has like the it has the film noir stripe of light, but it's over toes instead of eyes. Yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you? Uh,
3: let's go Jackie Brown. <laughs> oh, uh, it was Pulp Fiction. Uh, Kill, Kill Bill. Bill oh, wait, one. it was what? Jesus. Oh yeah, we know that. I one. Don't right? know my feet. Oh God, was that once upon a time? Was that um, the assistant, Oren Ishii's? Oh, oh the, the nose That's lady. That's
2: in the deleted scene. How do you? That's no, Kill Bill. That's Kill Bill
0: Volume kill Two. two. Yep. Oh yeah, the double foot kick.
1: What is this?
3: Hmm. Uh, A
1: little liquor drink.
3: The only thing I could, only Jackie. because I'm not familiar with it, would Jackie be. Brown. I would say maybe once upon a time in Hollywood, after he gets married to that no, Italian no. woman, no, it's Jackie no? Brown. Okay, Jackie Brown. Hey, hey nice look job, at Adam.
2: Killed oh a God, that's when she's stepping Dude. on the eyeball.
1: <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, well, this might be a giveaway.
2: <laughs> I think it's Jackie Brown.
1: Again? Damn oh. it! Huh. don't
2: Oh,
0: that is
1: Kill Bill, Kill Bill One. Bill yeah, that's yeah. The movie. move your wiggle,
0: toe. wiggle your
2: little toe. How many
1: feet do we have to look at? There, it there is. You go. That's
0: the one. All right, that's the big one. Gee, Boy, that we, was the big giveaway. We got
1: 14 out of 17 guys. Not bad. I'm proud of y'all. I didn't
2: realize how many. Counting from Dustle Dawn isn't fair because he just was it. Wrote it. I think he wrote it. He. It was him and uh. He's in it. Rob Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's Robbie one of the Rod. Gecko brothers. <laughs> yeah. <he laughs> <is>. George Clooney. <laughs> when are we gonna get more Gecko brothers? They uh they made a
0: show and a video game. So. They
2: made a From Dusk Till Dawn video game? Yeah. They really? Holy crap.
0: Yes, you play did. as the Gecko Brothers?
3: Yeah. You play as George Clooney, Seth whatever his name is. Seth and... Oh, I don't know. Gretchen. I only know Seth. Echo. Seth is George Clooney's character because when Quentin Tarantino's character dies in that movie, he falls down dead, and then George Clooney goes, <laughs> I love you, and then he opens his eyes and goes, I love you too, Seth, and then he comes <laughs> back from the dead. That's right. A He's a vampire.
1: Oh.
2: What a great film.
0: Well, I want to thank Kim's again. Is.
1: For bringing us here this week to talk about uh, what Venom 2 could be and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a movie I think we all liked, right? I love that. If you haven't seen it, I say go check it out. Um, It's it's, long. It's a little bit long, but uh, especially if you like movies or film Mm -hmm. or history at all, I think it's very enjoyable. LA around that time.
3: Yeah. The magic
1: window. All right. So, uh, again, in two weeks, come back and talk or listen to us talk about Death Stalker. A real film. uh, One and two. Oh, man. Real superior filmmaking there, probably. Uh, Thanks for coming around. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye